Now that was money, wasn't it? Yeah. Little Pink Floyd. So, yeah. You know, we're in this uh, series, Twister, and we're looking at things that we twist, things that people believe are true but aren't true. And as a result of twisted beliefs, well, oftentimes what we end up with is a twisted life. Today we're going green. You know, before we start, I want to ask a, a question. How many of you think if you had a little more money that things would be a little bit easier and a little bit better? Let me, let me see hands. Come on. Come on. Be honest. You know, the verse we're going to look at today is commonly misquoted. You know, a while back I was actually at a counter and I saw a tip jar and it said, money is the root of all evil, free yourself of a little evil. And, uh, and I thought, that, that's pretty, pretty clever. But you might have caught in the song uh, that reference, uh, Pink Floyd said, money, so they say, is the root of all evil today. And many people believe that that is a reference from the Bible, but it's actually a misquote. You know, the Apostle Paul says, says this, uh, 1 Timothy 6, verse 10, it says, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. If you're like most, you, you hear this verse, you look at it and, and kind of contemplate, and you go, well, that's for somebody else, somebody else that's rich and, and greedy and loves money. It's not me. I don't love money. And so we just kind of push, push it aside. But it, that mentality kind of raises questions for me. So how do we discern if we love money or not? You know, Solomon, who was considered uh, the wisest person in his generation, he gives us some very clear indicators about loving money. He says this, he says, whoever loves money never has, what, enough. Whoever loves wealth is never, what, satisfied with their income. This too is meaningless, or some versions say, chasing after the wind. Yeah, it, I will admit that I did a little bit of a setup on the front end when I asked you if a little bit more money would make your life easier or, or better, okay? I understand that. And it might explain why right now some are feeling a little bit uncomfortable because most of us would say yes to that, that yes, just a little more, just a little more. And you know how that goes, right? If, if I could make X amount of money, I'd be what? Happy. I'd be happy. I mean, who could ever want more than that? And then you make X amount of money, and you find out exactly who. It's you. It's me. You know, if, if we're honest and, and really take a look at this topic, I think it's going to reveal some things uh, about our heart when it comes to this whole thing of money. I mean, how much money do you need to be happy? I mean, how much money do you need to feel secure? Well, most people would say a little more. 
And if you're not careful, it's always a little more. And there's where, where we get set up. It, it, we, we set the line, but in reality, what happens? We're always moving that line. We're always moving the bar. You know, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. I mean, it hits closer to home than any of us want to admit at first. The fact is, we've been talking about the importance of context when we're reading Scripture, that we, we need to understand what, what's going on, that uh, you can't base your, your beliefs off of one verse. You know, you have to understand what comes before the verse and, and after the verse, which is a really good practice no matter what, what you're, you're reading. The, the fact is when we, you look, get done looking at that verse, then you've got to look at other verses throughout Scripture and try and get a complete and a fuller understanding. And I've said this over and over, but it's, it's, the, uh, uh, it's a very dangerous place that people uh, live when it comes to Scripture. And that is, oh, I like this verse, but I don't like that verse, and so I'll just throw that one out. That is a dangerous, dangerous practice in life. This is not a pick and choose. And it is not just pursuing knowledge for knowledge's sake. It's about pursuing God. It's about finding God's ways and being obedient in that. And so what, what's the context of the main verse that we're looking at? Well, Paul, Paul's writing to Timothy. Timothy's a, a, a young pastor. Uh, Paul's mentoring him. And he wants Timothy to succeed. And so... If you back up a, a few verses, Paul, Paul's sharing with him some advice, and he says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. So FYI, just right out of the gate, the big theme is not money. The big theme is godliness. And Paul says, godliness and contentment are connected, and that we've got to understand that. You know, when, when they're connected, when you have both of them, he's saying there's, there's a big benefit. There's great gain in life. He says, for we brought nothing into the world, and we take nothing out of it. That's easy to understand, isn't it? We get it up here. But it's really difficult in here. We struggle. We struggle with that truth. You know, the fact is that that's why you've never seen a U-Haul at a funeral, you know, because you're not taking it with you, you know. I read a, it was a comical story. It was about a, about a guy, and he knew he was dying, and so he filled a briefcase full of money, and he asked his wife uh, if she'd put it up in the attic. And she's like, okay, but... Can I ask why? And he goes, well, so when, when I'm going to heaven, as I'm going up, I can grab it and take it with me. And so she's like, well, okay. So she put the money up there in the briefcase. And when he died, first thought, she, she headed up to the attic. And sure enough, the money was still there. And she goes, I knew I should have put it in the basement so he could grab it on his way down. I knew it. I knew it. You know, uh, like... <laughs> Wealth, we are not taking it with us. We're not. 
Paul goes on, he says, but if we have food and clothing, now he's going to just make a powerful statement, we will be content with that. Wow, that is a statement, isn't it? And incidentally, the word clothing in, in the Greek really uh, carries the idea of shelter as well. So Paul's really saying, if you have food and clothing and shelter, that will be content. Can you get your mind around that one? Because I, I know how this goes. What we want to do is go, if we have food and clothing and, and an iPhone and some designer glasses and, and some really nice jeans, uh, you know, the, the, then, then, then I'll be content. No. Paul says, no, 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 no. If I have food and clothing, shelter, we will be content with that. In essence, Paul, Paul's teaching something fundamentally important. The, the richest, friends, are not those who have the most, but those who need the least. You know, if, if you visit other parts of the world where, where people have less than we do, far, far less than we do, you realize very quickly that although they have less, in many ways, they have more. You know, I've met people who have way less than I do. But they have joy. They have peace. Contentment. Which then kind of puts you back on your heels a little bit, doesn't it? You go, how's that possible? Well, here's the thing. Discontentment can make a rich person poor, and contentment can make a poor person rich. So, so if you have all the food and the clothing and the shelter, if we have our basic needs met, Paul says, we're going to be content. We're going to learn to be content. And so everything kind of comes full circle here because godliness with contentment is a great gain. It's a great gift. You know, Paul, Paul he continues in the next verse. He says, those who want to get rich, you know, I mean, what happens? What happens to them? Well, they fall into temptation and traps and then many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. I mean, can you say Powerball? Can you say easy money? More money? Then we come to our main verse. Now, I'm going to look at the complete thought that Paul, Paul gave. He says, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Most of us know someone who's like that. Friends, I, I have seen people chase money and leave the church, walk away from God. I, I have seen people fight about money, you know, blow up marriages over money. 
I have seen families and relationships that have been destroyed because of money. The love of money, the love of money is the root of all evil, all kinds of evil, which makes money sound like it's bad, doesn't it? It is not. Money is neutral. Money is not bad. The issue that we have to recognize is loving money is dangerous. You know, more dangerous than we even want to admit. You know, Jesus said it this way, Matthew 6, he says, you can't serve God and money, which I find interesting because Jesus didn't say you cannot serve both God and, and power, or you cannot serve both God and sex, or you can't serve both God and you fill in the blank here. But Jesus says you can't serve God and also serve money. Because, you go, well, why does that get singled out? Because for many, money is the number one competitor for our hearts. It's the number one thing that will distract and take you down different paths, many times wrong paths. See, to have true riches that God wants you to have, wants to give you, friends, we've got to get this one right. I've always found it interesting. There are two extremes in the faith that, that uh, you just uh, ferret them out right away. One of them has become known as prosperity ministry or prosperity gospel. And it's the belief, if I'm godly, if I have enough faith, if I do what God asked me to do, God will make me rich. That is a dangerous conclusion, I will tell you. It is a misunderstanding of what blessings and riches means. It's also abusive. It's abusive, and can you imagine if you carry that gospel and you went to uh, an area where there's abject poverty, and you tell them, hey, if you're godly, you'll be rich. Friends, that creates guilt pain, and it's not true. The other extreme is known as the poverty gospel. And if you're really a godly person, you'll be poor. If you really love Jesus, then you'll not have anything. You'll give everything away. And if you have things, see, this is the backside, if you have things, that you're ungodly. No, 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 no. Again, misunderstanding, misrepresentation of Scripture. Scripture, in fact, says something very, very different. Deuteronomy uh, says, but the Lord, remember the Lord your God, for he is, <clears throat> for it is he who gives you the ability to produce what? Wealth. Hmm. God does not give you the ability to do something that's wrong, 
all right? God gives us the ability to produce wealth. He's gifted you and given you talents and, and strengths and wisdom and creativity or whatever so that you can produce. Money and wealth are not the issues. The issue is the love of money. It's recognizing who gives you the ability to do that. That, that's why it's important that, that you have to recognize that you're blessed, first of all, and that those blessings come from God, and so then we thank God for, for those. We do not need to apologize for being blessed, but we do need to maximize the, the blessings that God gives us. And I, I've talked about this before, but it, it, I've always found it curious that we get a little embarrassed about being blessed, particularly being financially blessed. Friends, we do not apologize for any other type of blessings in our lives. You know, for instance, if someone come up to you and they said, wow, you are blessed with a, with a wonderful marriage, you wouldn't go, well, it's really not that great. <laughs> you know, we, we've got a ton of issues, and you wouldn't do that, would you? You, you would just say, well, th well thanks, yeah, we, we are blessed, you know. Or if someone come up and they said, your kids are amazing. You'd go, yeah, we've been blessed. Now, inside you might be going, I wonder if they've got the right kids, but uh, you would just, you, you'd go with it. But when it comes to financial blessings, material blessings, we tend to apologize Oh, well, you know, we just got a really good deal, kind of fell into it. You know, it, it's really not that nice. Why do we do that? I want to suggest because we're uncomfortable with it. Hear this. There's nothing wrong with having things. There's nothing wrong with having really nice things. It is not a sin. What is dangerous and what is sin is when we're in love with money and things to the point that nothing else matters but those things. Christ followers, we have to get this right. We have to get the right perspective. So, so how, do we, how do we do that? You know, Paul goes on, uh, verse 17, he says, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hopes in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Now, this verse, I think, is really easy to just jump over it. Why is that? Well, because we don't see ourselves as rich. Wrong. We are all rich. When you look at things from a, a global perspective, I'm rich, you're rich. We're all rich. And I know, as I say that, some of you are going, eh, I don't know if I agree with that or not. You're not sure. But my guess is right now, I'm not going to do this, but I could walk around and everyone here has hundreds of dollars in their pocket or their purse. 
you go, well, I don't have hundreds of dollars. How many of you have a iPhone or a phone? <laughs> Let me see. How many? Come on. <laughs> Does anybody not have a phone? Yeah. All right. All right. <laughs> I'm going to give you perspective here. If you have a phone in your pocket or in your purse, you have a year's wages for almost half the world. Think about that. Half the wages, or you have the wages of half the world in one thing in your pocket. I'd say we're kind of rich. I'm kind of rich. If you own a vehicle, you are now in the top 90%. You're in that top 10% of world wealth. And many of you have more than one vehicle <laughs> that you drive to the grocery store, to the restaurants. And I, I'm guessing most of you have a house or an apartment that you live in. Some of you even have a house for your car. <laughs> It's called a garage, but uh, you have climate control in your homes. It gets a little warm, you put the air conditioner on, gets a little cool, put the heat on. Indoor plumbing, I'm making a wild guess, everybody's got indoor plumbing. You can watch hundreds of shows, movies. You can stream it to your computers, to your TV, and to all kinds of devices that you got. And most, well, you've got a closet full of clothes, maybe closets full of clothes, and you're always saying, I just don't have anything to wear. If you make $35,000 a year, you are now in the top 3.5% of the world's wealth. Let that one sink in. And if you make 50% or 50,000, top 1% of world wealth, world wealth. I could go on and on and on. We are blessed, we are rich, and we do not need to apologize for it, but we do need to maximize it. You know, we do not deserve it. The fact is we were born into a land of plenty, land of opportunity. We were born in this time, this place in history. You could have been born somewhere else, and yet, I need a little more to be happy. No. Discontentment makes rich people poor. Contentment makes anyone rich. You know, Paul tells them to, to put their hopes in God. 
who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. You know, put it in God. You know, not in money, not in things, not, not in anything else, but in God. And our tendency, our tendency is to put our hope in wealth. And that's why when I, when I ask if a little bit more would make life easier or better, I think most of us go, well, of course it would. Well, why is that? Because money will promise what only God can provide. You know, when you think you, you need more money to be happy, you need more money to be satisfied, you need more money to be secure, you need that better income, friends, you are being deceived. You're living under the power, the influence of money. And it's a hard issue. Money will not provide you with the deepest needs you have in your life. Only Jesus Christ can do that. Only Jesus can, can ultimately fill those deep needs, you know. And I, I know how this goes. See, some of you right now, you're going, yeah, I kind of hear what you're saying. Maybe resonating a little bit with you. Right this moment, here's the twist. Here's the twist of truth. You'll leave here, shake it off a little bit. In a couple days, you'll forget all about it. And you'll keep on loving, loving, loving money. Pursuing money. Giving money your every breath. Because you believe somewhere under it that money's going to make life right. Money will not do that. It'll never do that. And it won't keep your kids off of drugs. It won't keep them off a dangerous path. And money won't make your spouse love you more. It won't make your marriage stronger. Money will not make you happier. It will not make you more secure. Only Jesus can do that. Only God can do that. And friends, when you don't have a lot of Jesus in your life, money looks really great. I need more. I need more of it. But when you have more of Jesus in your life and you put God front and center, you, you learn to be content with what you have. See, godliness with contentment is great gain. You change the ball game. But the problem is too many are looking for something to satisfy that will never satisfy. You know why? Because you can never get enough money to ultimately satisfy you. You need more of Jesus in your life, more of God in your life. And you go, well, why, why is that? Well, because as you have more of God, you have more of his grace in your life. You have more of his peace in your life. 
You have more of his power being manifest in your life. You have more assurance because of, of that relationship. And because of his presence, whatever's going on in the world, as crazy as it gets, it doesn't really matter. Because you've got God in your life. And when you have more of Jesus, what you find is you're more content. You're more content. You find you have less desires for everything else. And and here's the good twist, I think. Many times when, when you pursue God and you have more of God and more of Christ in your life, what ends up happening is you become more, more content in your life, and God actually starts working and opens up opportunities for you, makes you more successful, provides that satisfaction that you want, and you actually see more blessings. I mean, it's kind of a round and round we go. You know, when, when you're blessed... I would encourage you to enjoy it. When you're blessed with whatever, realize that you have that, but it doesn't have you. See, big difference there. And when you're blessed, you realize who blessed you. See, we're rich, we're blessed. And because we're blessed, we're called to be a blessing. You know, Paul, he continues on, verse 18 and 19, he says, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to to share. In this way, they will lay up for themselves a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of life that is what? Oh, wow, you guys sound excited about that. Well, we'll try that again. Hold on to life that is? truly life. You ought to get excited about that. A life that's truly life. You know, the life that many of you are searching for, it's a life worth living. It's that life that you cannot find, you will never find in material things. See, the the love of money is the issue, and it's what jams a lot of people up. I mean, it just does. I, I think that's why anytime if I talk about giving, I already know right out of the gate, everybody's going to get uncomfortable. Do you know why that is? Because it exposes our heart. I, I think that that's why God asked for the tithe or the, the first 10% is because God says it's really an act of worship but it strikes at, at the core of who we are. Because you have to answer the question, what do you love more? Who do you trust more? Is it God or money? I mean, it's, it really is that simple. See, when, when we give we establish who we love and who we trust. And it begins to break. I'm not saying it totally breaks it, but it begins to break 
the power and the love of money. Friends, bottom line, put your trust in God who richly provides everything, everything you got so you can enjoy it. See, I I believe when you recognize that, when you recognize you're blessed, when when you acknowledge who, who blessed you, and then you learn to be content with what you have, See, most people are focused on what they don't have. More, 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 more. But you, you go, I'm going to be content with what I have. I think it puts money in its right perspective. We're rich, right? We're rich. And we're blessed. And we've been blessed by God. Let's bow in a word of prayer together. Our holy God, God, uh, You are the giver. We have all been blessed, Lord. God, I pray everyone here, people listening online, that we'd realize how blessed we are. God, help us to be content with what we have. And God, forgive us if uh, we love or trust money more than you. God, forgive us for that. God, help us to have a proper perspective. Godly perspective. God, help us to pursue you in contentment and experience those great gains. Thank you for blessing us, Lord. We recognize we are blessed. And we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God's people said, there'll be prayer teams down front. Um, If you've had, uh, maybe you need have someone pray for family or something's going on, just uh, come down. You can share as you want or not. Let, let, we're, we're supposed to uh, pray and support each other that way. And uh, let, let's stand, let's sing together.